Hi, welcome to Women of Substance. I have my very favorite guest on today. Oh, how nice. <laughs> my husband, David Horton. And I'm so glad that you're here. Well, thanks for inviting me on. <laughs> I, I, I feel honored. There's so many prestigious guests on here. <laughs> well, um, we wanted to do this one together. It's a teaching, but also um, just, I believe, um, and it will be impactful to your life. And David had some wonderful things to share. So um, I asked him if he would do it. And he said, yes, so here we are. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about um, what the Bible says about raising people from the dead. And I know that's a different type of subject. Maybe you've heard things about that. Maybe you haven't. But um, I was thinking about women in the Bible and, and um, there's, Several that had their children raised from the dead. And uh, one is uh, in the Old Testament, you know, the widow of Zarephath and yeah, right. Elijah. And then um, there's one here in the New Testament that um, I'll just read a little bit. It's Luke chapter 7. Sure. And it starts with verse 11. It says, And it came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him and much people. Now, when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, Weep not. And he came and touched the briar, and they bear, that bear him stood still, and he said, Young man, I say unto thee, arise. And he that was dead sat up. Right. Isn't that interesting? During This is during the uh, funeral ceremony. Um, sat up and began to speak, and he delivered him to his mother. And uh, there was a great fear on all, and they glorified God, saying that a great prophet is risen among us, and that God has visited his people. I think there's three instances where Jesus raised the dead, and this is one of them. Yes, in the New um, Testament. There's um, uh, the one in Mark 5, mm -hmm. the um, Jairus' daughter. Right. Who, uh, according to Scripture, she had only, I, I just want to talk a, a little bit about how long these people have been dead. Right. Uh, she, um, Jairus' daughter had been dead just, minutes it seems before christ jesus got there because the bible says that um you know he was on his way to jairus's house mm -hmm. he said my daughter uh is is near the point of death she's very sick Me, can you come and heal her so they're not talking about raising the dead at that point they're talking about yeah uh, a yeah. last minute miracle healing which we've seen those things too praise the lord sure uh I've I've called it, you know, people have lived past the deadline and then way past the deadline. Yeah. My own mother was supposed to have been dead in 1954 and she's still alive. <laughs> <laughs> so she's, she missed the deadline missed that the doctors <laughs> had uh, predicted for By her. The, 70 plus years. Yeah, yeah. The prognosis was a little <laughs> off. She's 90. Uh, what is she? 93. Yeah, she's 93. But, um. The uh, the other the other thing is that this this uh, girl had only been dead a few minutes because Jesus is on his way to Jairus's house and then he, the 
the procession is interrupted by the woman with the issue of blood. Yeah. And I don't know how long that took. I mean, we could time it as to how long it took for her to, um, you know, it's almost told that story as if he was just out in the street willy-nilly, you know, or, or going someplace. Yeah. But he was actually on his way to Jairus's house. Right. And he said, I will come. And so she, um, she ends up, you know, by the time that the woman with the issue of blood story is over, mm-hmm. I can't imagine that took a terrible amount of time because mm-hmm. it doesn't take very long to read it. Right. And it's a blow by blow account yeah. of what happens, you mm-hmm. know. So it's a pretty good narrative. So anyway, um by the by the time the woman with the issue of blood had he said, Go in peace, you know, your faith has made you whole. In other words, I got to move along here. Going peace is a nice way of saying bye. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been real, but uh, I am I must be about my father's business, you know. <laughs> so he he's on his way, and it said that certain from Jairus's house came and said, "Why trouble thou the master any further? Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, girl is dead. There, you know, she's dead." And when Jesus got there, uh, well, Jesus told him, fear not, only believe. Right. So I don't think Jesus just said stuff to be saying it. I believe that the man's faith was important because of the authority he had in his underage daughter's life. Right. He had authority. We say underage, we mean under the adult age of 18, 20, 21, 25, whatever. So she's on her. She's not on her own yet. He's got more authority at that point in her life than he will have later. Yeah. Uh, because we have our own relationship with God that we have to develop. Right. And so, you know, you can't depend on mama's prayers and grandma's prayers and Uncle Goober's prayers forever. You've got to sure. develop your own faith. <laughs> so, and in the South, we do have Uncle Goobers. <laughs> Trust me. Believe it or not. <laughs> yeah, we could have some of them on and see how many have a full set of teeth amongst the whole group. <laughs> well, we found one set of teeth. There's nine people that anyway, it's a bad joke. Sorry. Probably have to edit that out, offend somebody. Um <clears throat> but anyway, the um the important thing is that, that first uh raising of the dead was of at, at, at let's just say 30 40 minutes at the most right that this girl had been dead and then he even said she's not dead but she sleeps they laughed in the score and he put them all out and then he said you know something in uh, aramaic tabathai or tabathai or whatever however you pronounce that right. whatever he said to her which which is what does it say which is daughter rise yeah something like that mm-hmm. So he rose. He he got her raised from the dead. Had she'd only been dead, of, uh, like I said, let's let's just give it the wildest stretch and say it was an hour. Right. But the I I believe it was less than an hour. Mm-hmm. Let's say between twenty minutes and an hour. The the, the story you just read, um, the widow of Nain. Um, he he had this son had been dead long enough to have already been some form of embalming. They did, they practiced Egyptian embalming because that's what happened with the Lazarus. He was completely mummified. Right. 
So they it was to preserve things, which really is maybe almost worse in raising the dead than leaving them alone. But sure. there's laws, hygienic laws and things. So this person had been dead. We don't know. What, three days, maybe two mm-hmm. days, maybe a day. We don't know. And that was the next Raise the Dead project. And then the third one was uh, jo- uh, uh, Lazarus. Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, you know, they, they even said, he's been dead, you know, going on four days here. Right. It's been more than three days. It's been three days. He stinketh. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jesus, they opened the hole. They would actually slide him down a hole into that grave and they opened that seal and he said Lazarus come forth and then some preachers and teachers and bible scholars have said that he shot out of that hole yeah like a cannon ball coming out the you know the cannon right yeah and that he then again that it was important that he said Lazarus come forth not just shout into a a grave come forth because everybody in the cemetery would have come (laughs) forth but the uh the the fourth person that Jesus raised from the dead is himself and he was confessing it his entire adult ministry mm-hmm. about that three days the temple will be destroyed but then you know it'll be raised uh, rebuilt in three days right you know i mean the, the temple will be destroyed but be raised in three days and those things and i believe that he and he constantly quoted old testament scripture about um God will not allow uh, the sacrifice to begin to corrupt. Mm-hmm. And after three days, things begin to corrupt, apparently. Yeah. So these are the, these are interesting things. Uh, some people like to say, and I, you know, I don't, I, I'm not going to fight with somebody over this one way or the other, believe what you want. But some people say, well, Jesus was in a sense, almost practicing his faith or building his faith. We've all done that in some area or another. Sure. Good friend of mine, Mark Grzee, uh talked about when he first heard the message of faith and confession that he um, said, I'm going to believe God for a cotton, Lincoln Continental Town Car. <laughs> <laughs> Brand new, you know, that was back in the day. And that would have been really amazing. So he put out his faith and realized nothing was manifesting after a while. <laughs> So the Lord said to him, well, why don't you start with something a little bit more, you know, just target practice with your faith. He said, okay. So he started believing God for a pair of socks. Long story short, in a, a way that had never happened, he somebody mailed him a pair of navy blue socks. And he thought, well, that's weird. And they wrote, I don't know why I'm putting this in here, but <laughs> just felt like I should. So his faith produced navy blue socks. He says, I was about as happy over those socks as I was a car. Later on, he used faith not only for automobiles, but for homes, for church buildings, yeah. for worldwide international Bible schools and right, ministry. Yeah. Um, at one time, uh, they had an aviation department and maintained their own jet. And I mean, just a lot of things that were way beyond a continental Lincoln Continental Town Car. Sure. So. Point is, is that we do build our faith, and it would have made it would have been reasonable that Jesus did it as well. Right. The other thing I wanted to mention, just doctrinally, we're talking about these things from the Word, is uh, 
you notice that Jesus didn't just, and I like to talk about this in regard to divine healing as well. Jesus didn't just willy nilly go out to a a cemetery. There's a huge one on the, on the other side of the wall in uh, Jerusalem Mm -hmm. that's been there since before the time of Christ. Right. It's been there since the patriarchs. Yeah. And, um, he didn't just slip out at night out there and scream at the cemetery, you know, like you're raising the choir. Right. All, let's all rise and sing the first chorus, you know. Sure. So, uh, mm-hmm. um, he didn't just, he again, he didn't just indiscriminately raise the dead any more than he indiscriminately healed the sick. Because, you know, the thing that's striking is that uh, Pool of Bethesda situation, you could almost say it was like a, a rehab center full of people that, you know, we have rehab centers today mm-hmm. that are full of people that are incurable. Yeah. That are, um, they're just, they're housing them there in a way. Right. And keeping them safe and dry and clean and, fed and watered in a way yeah uh just waiting for when they're gonna go mm-hmm. and the pool of bethesda sounds like a place like that right it says the sick and the maimed and the impotent lay there you know impotent meaning they had no power to move they had right. no ability to walk or... to walk or or anything they're crippled yeah and uh isn't it interesting that G- jesus singled out one man in mm-hmm. the midst of that so now all the self-appointed uh, theologians pop up and they say, well, that was obvious then that it wasn't God's will to heal everybody at the pool of Bethesda. And there is no scripture for that. That's an assumption. It's, it, it might even seem like a logical assumption, but it's not Bible. Right. Because uh, the Bible says that it's God's will. His, he's not willing that any should perish. Mm-hmm. And um, so my point is that um it seems to be where there is especially uh ex- extraordinary miracles mm-hmm. and I think anytime you're raising the dead it's an extraordinary miracle. Sure. There has to be a kind a lot of things lined up and and, and we shall you know we don't have an hour and a half to teach that. Brother Hagen would say uh that it takes gifts of the spirit in operation. And not only uh, gifts, but certain gifts. Sure. And they have to work all at the same time. Right. Uh, gifts of healing, working of miracles, and um, uh, gift of faith, special faith. Right. And you got to, they have to all work at their peak at the same time, uh, along with regular faith and other, other uh, parameters. However, I will tell you that Jesus said in Mark 16 that, uh, and this was some of his last words before he departed earth right? Uh, to go sit down at the right hand of the father. He said, um, these signs shall follow them that believe, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and um, raising the dead is, is, is in there. Uh, it's implied at least. Sure. And, uh, it's also other places where he talked about heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils. Right. Um, freely you have received, you know, freely give. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Jesus is talking there about just that r- somehow raising the dead should be a part of the body of Christ's mission. Yeah. 
And it is. There are there's uh, you know I her, I know there's a minister that uh, again another friend of mine, Sister Lynn Hammond. She told me of a guy that was in um, an African nation, and he felt strongly that part of his ministry should be raising the dead. So there was so, so much sickness and illness in that part of the world mm-hmm. that they went around every night and every morning and picked up the dead, put them on the dead wagon. This happens in India too, like Calcutta. Yeah. They have the dead wagon. They go pick up whoever died in the street last night. Mm. And then they take them out to a place where they're prepared for either burial or cremation. Mm. And just a, a big pile of dead people, unidentified, unclaimed bodies. And this guy thought, I'll just go out there and practice. So he'd go up every every morning and grab a, a fresh fresh body off the dead pile mm. yank them down and put them on the ground and then he would practice raising the dead wow well i understand he went through 60 people he did this for two months mm. he went through 60 people before he got one alive and after that he could he could do it again uh in certain parameters and certain um conditions right so I know it's a real thing. Now, in my own life, you know, this is the part you wanted me to tell. Uh, in my own life, I used to say, uh, I my mother, my mother was diagnosed uh, in 1954 with terminal cancer. Um, again, that's another whole program. I think we've already shared that story. Yeah. But mother was healed and uh, of cancer, and so she just never was afraid of cancer. Mm-hmm. Some people you just say the word and they have gasp. You know, yeah. they, their oh, yeah. heart beats fast. They get a Oh, I hope I never hear that, you know, whatever. So I, I just think that mother, you know, just always, she said, cancer will never kill me. I don't know what, how I'm going to leave the earth, but it isn't going to be with cancer. <laughs> and so you she said, you told me one time cancer scared of her. <laughs> it is scared of her because I've seen her run it out of people's bot out of their bodies and, you know, off of their life. Yeah. And she had more faith than the person needing the healing, you know, right. So there, I think there is something of compassion too. It's very powerful. Oh yeah. So when you've suffered and you see somebody else, you yeah. know, you it really gets a, gets in your blood, so to speak. Sure. But mother was healed, and so I said, you know, we we had people calling our family all the time. You know, my dad, mom were in the ministry. God, good ten years before I was eleven years before I was born. Mm-hmm. So uh, I just all we know is ministry. Some people say, well, maybe you need to have something else to fall on, you know, do something else. I'm thinking, I don't know what that would be because <laughs> this is all I can do. I can play the organ, sing a little, and preach, and whatever. So that's <laughs> that here, here I am. So my, my I, I often say we didn't grow up with pan- panic or frantic. We just, we'd hear the worst news and it'd be like, okay, we're going to pray. And even that, I've seen even full gospel people go into what I call emergency tongues. And right. you can tell there's more fear being put out even in their praying than, than there is faith. Sure. They're freaking out. They're yeah. melting down. They're right. having a, an episode. And if you're going to have an episode, have an episode of peace and have mm-hmm. an episode of control and authority. Right. So. And you I, see that with. With what Jesus said, how he raised these people. Yeah. It's just, you know, um, very young man, I say unto thee, arise. I mean, that's not a lot of 
screaming and hollering. <laughs> or anything, really. Yeah, let's play the Hammond organ till we blow a fuse, you know. <laughs> and then Lazarus come forth. Yeah, it's just simple. That's amazing. So my dad, a lot of people know the story. I'll tell the quick version. I, my dad was the state overseer for a Pentecostal denomination um, uh, uh, back in the 60s in the state of New Mexico. So he's over about 20, let's just say 25 churches. Mm-hmm. He's over about 25 churches, and they're all over the place in the state. New Mexico is huge. It's like landmass is huge. It's not Texas or Alaska, but it's right. it's, it's it's huge. Yeah. And we're talking back in the 60s. They didn't have a lot of freeways. and mm-hmm. So he's burning the candle at both ends. That's what the doctor told him. You're burning the candle. He started having some some uh, breathing issues and heart issues. Right. They said, you're going to slow down, man. You're going to have a heart attack. Oh, I got to go. My dad, I got to go. I got to preach this revival. I got to do whatever. Driving from end to end of this huge state. Sometimes in New Mexico, uh, he'd go to Arizona for a conference. He'd go somewhere else. So my dad is, um, um, uh, he's doing this. And in the, uh, Afternoon one day, you know, it looks right after school. My mom's in the kitchen, uh, and she's, you know, cleaning dishes and doing whatever. Um, she, I walk through the living room of our ranch house. I often say because you know it's like the living rooms on one end, the, the hallway, and the bedrooms. So I walk through, and my dad was not a casual kind of guy that just you know in jeans and a t-shirt on the floor relaxing you know right like some men might do no he was in a suit my dad wore a suit to disneyland <laughs> in 1964 and uh and i said to him that morning in anaheim in the motel i said could you like wear something besides a suit um, you're it's kind of weird he said well you never know when you're going to run into church people <laughs> I said at Disneyland, I always find somebody, and it was true. We're halfway through some part, and there, there's that brother Doc Horton, you know. <laughs> so my dad never met a stranger. So anyway, he's laying down. He would take his suit jacket off and loosen his tie. This is relaxation, right? He's on the floor, on his back. But something about him doesn't look right. And mm-hmm. I'm walking through. I'm eight years old. And I'm walking through. and I look down and he's there and he's white as a sheet. Mm-hmm. And I can't see that he's breathing. In fact, he's starting to look a little bluish, you know, mm-hmm. a little like electric blue. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a color right. that can start happening. And I knelt down. I'm thinking, he looks dead. My dad looks dead. Now, you know, Hollywood would have you screaming your head off and freaking out. Right. But I had never been taught how to freak out, so I'm not freaking out. So I'm down there. Um, the only time I freaked out is if I thought the rapture was taking place and I was missing it. Because <laughs> then we have the whole guillotine to deal with. So, But my dad, my dad's on the floor. He's passed out. It looks like he's passed out. Um, but I think he's dead. So I, I knelt down. I put my couple of fingers on his neck. I can't find a pulse. Hand in front of the face. No breathing. So I stood straight up and I said, 
mama. And she said, yeah, I'm in the kitchen. She's always in the kitchen. Mama, yeah. Um, Daddy dropped dead in the living room. <laughs> and she said, okay, I'll be in there in a minute. And um, again, no frantic, no panic, because we don't know how to do that. So she walks in, and she's drying her hands on her little, she has a apron that also has a little towel on the front you know yeah she's drying her hands from doing the dishes and she walks in and she goes well he looks dead to me too (laughs) so it's me and my mother standing here staring at he looks dead to me too she said did you check for pulse i said yeah there's nothing there and i said um you know there's there's no nothing he's not breathing or whatever and she kind of put her head to his chest to see if she could hear a heartbeat. She says, I don't even hear a heartbeat. I said, I told you, I think he's dead. She says, well, we'll just have to call him back because if he thinks he's going to leave us out here in the middle of this desert (laughs) with these churches, as if the denomination would let mother run it, you know, they're they're, they're still choking on women doing very much. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's another episode of God Loves Women. <laughs> Unless you're a member of the... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> then we're not so sure how, how much does God love women. Not as not much as, as much men. As men. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. So, at any rate, uh, um. Mom says, well, I'll just have to call him back. So she just kind of looked up to the ceiling, and here's her prayer. <laughs> Doc Horton, I don't know where you are right now, but you get back in this body right now. Because you're crazy if you think you're going to leave us out here in the middle of this desert with these churches. <laughs> now, that was her prayer. Very touching, isn't it? Just, <laughs> surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. <laughs> yeah so she looks at me and i look at her and she goes he'll be back in a minute (laughs) so i'm standing here like this my arms folded and she's standing there with her arms folded their little apron and in a minute he started making gurgling sounds Mm. and it was i call it the death rattle in reverse you know (laughs) he's like sort of Coming back in instead of leaving. And she knelt down beside him and put his head in her arms. And she said, and he kind of like looked around and we saw the color return to his face. And she said, Doc. And he said, what happened to me? And she says, well, I think you died, but we got you back. Now, don't you ever die on me like that again. (laughs) Mother was a little narcissistic. (laughs) It's always, don't die on me. (laughs) You die, what am I supposed to do? You know, well. Excuse me, I'd be the one that needs help. You know, I'm, I'm the one dying here. Yeah, well, don't you do that? You know, so that's the my mom, narcissistic prayer. Which that's a book right there, the narcissist guide to prayer. <laughs> Where does this leave me? <laughs> so everybody's fine. I go outside to play with my bulldog and. Uh, Mother says to dad, we'll get in the shower and get dressed. We'll take you to the doctor. 
and have you tested to see what happened. And this is the way Pentecostals did it. Like some event would happen, a health event, and then we'd get the miracle and then go to the doctor for the verification for the testimony. That's awesome. That's the, that was the lifestyle. So that seemed normal to me. So she takes him to the, she takes him to the uh, doctor's office and they, they had in those days, some doctor's offices had about as much equipment as a urgent care center. Yeah. So they were able to run, run tests and everything. And they said, well, it looks like you've had a heart event. However, there's no damage, but we can tell by the EKG or whatever that there's been an event. And not only that, it looks like, uh, it looks like that you might've expired, but uh, you obviously had paramedics or whatever. Um, they didn't call it paramedics in those days. It was ambulance. Ambulances services must have. Right. Um, now, who is it that applied the uh, adrenaline in your bloodstream and uh, this this drug and that one to bring all your levels normal? And mother said, nobody did. Yeah, because we've got them right here. We did the blood test and we've got them right here. Mm. Well, the Holy Spirit did it. Wow, that's amazing. So those were natural things that have to take place for the heart to be triggered. Sure. And the Holy Spirit put that those substances in there. Right. Like adrenaline. Yeah. We said, well, why didn't you call us first? And she said, because he'd been, he, he, y'all wouldn't have helped him. If I would have waited for you, it would have been too long. And uh, we wouldn't have this result. Right. He says, well, what do you think the answer is? My mother said, God did. It's a miracle. <laughs> and they said, oh, you're one of those. <laughs> and she lifted her hands. In the, she said she lifted her hands in that doctor's office and shouted, yeah, thank God I'm one of those. I'm one of those. If we weren't one of those, none of us would be here. Yeah. Because she knew if she wasn't one of those, she wouldn't be alive. Right. So if you're a person that that thinks you have to be look logical to religious people, mm-hmm. you won't experience the power of God. Right. You have to not care. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. Exactly. And there are people who think it's all hokey. Right. They do. They think Pentecostalism and they think that believing in the Holy Spirit and that at that level is nuts. Yeah. And um believe that you're just a little cray cray. Right. I mean, even if you show them the paperwork. Right. This is like my mother's medical reports. Mm-hmm. Even if you look at that. Brother Hagen showed me his doctor's report. The one uh, he talks about. Yeah. It was in his shoe closet. <laughs> <laughs> under some shoes. <laughs> special place he hid it. He said, look at this. This is the original document. They later put it in plastic. So oh, it wouldn't deteriorate. Mm. And uh, it had, you know. Kenneth Irwin Hagen and you know what his condition was and the prognosis was he's not going to survive. And I, I actually held the paper yeah. of that. I'm thinking, now you see, until Osborne said, you can't argue with a miracle. Right. How do you do that? You know, sure. and the only other really experience with raising the dead was uh, I was preaching at a church in Jackson, Mississippi, mm-hmm. very large church, still, still going great family um, that are pastors, the Sims. Mm-hmm. And at that time, the father who uh, who founded the church, Ronnie Sims, he was the pastor. And I was preaching there, and we were walking, myself and a couple of uh, uh, 
staff members of my church had gone to run the book table. Mm-hmm. And I, I was walking across from like the part of the pastor's office under a breezeway to the sanctuary, uh, a really large complex. And I'm walking and somebody ran up and there was a little commotion. They said, a lady has, has just hit the sidewalk. They looked and they said, and one guy leans over to me like a businessman type, you know, person put together yeah. <laughs> as we say. And he said, he said, pastor David, I says, I think he's, I think she's gone. I think we better call 911 and whatever. Right. Well, they did call 911. I don't have a problem with calling 911. People act like calling 911 is going to make God mad and he won't do it. And <laughs> no, you have to be dead because you called 911 and I'm offended and I don't like that. But uh, he, um, they, they, they called 911. Uh, and in the meantime, you know, she's just crumpled. Mm-hmm. And again, we can't find a pulse. Right. Now, I'm not a coroner. I'm not somebody to call to see if your loved one's dead. I'm not making house calls to check the dead. Right. But when you're just there at the moment. Sure. And uh, I mean, this was not an old, this was not an old woman. This was not, she was probably in her early thirties. Right. And or maybe, maybe, maybe mid thirties. And she was just in, dressed very nice, but had just fallen out. No pulse, no nothing. She's turning colors. Mm-hmm. Things are happening that are not good. And I said, oh, no, devil, you're not going to kill somebody on the way to my healing meeting. <laughs> That's so stupid. It makes me mad. Here they are in the way with their faith. I'm going to go to Brother David Horton's meeting. And I'm going to get a miracle. And then I know I'll just kill them before they get in sure. there. Oh, man, nothing makes an evangelist mad. Oh, yeah. And so. She, I said, no, this is not, this is not going to happen. That would put a parlor over the whole service of course. and then look at me like, what do you, do, you know? So I just said, in Jesus name, I command this woman to live. I think we got her name, whatever, Alice or whatever. And we said, come back in this body in Jesus name. Mm-hmm. Same thing happened. She kind of a death rattle in reverse thing. And she came back and color came and. Praise God. And uh, she was, you know, raised from the dead. So. Praise God. That's awesome. I think it is, you know, uh, Brother Hagin said that lot, many times, you know, you can't find uh, in the Bible um, older people yeah, being raised right. from the dead. That, um, But the devil comes to steal people's life. And steal life, their life. Years. The, steal their years. Yeah, and their years. And, um, of course, even with your dad. Think about the ministry he did after that right. incident. I mean, years and years and decades of yes. tremendous work yes. that touched the world. And he would not have been able to do anything. You know, if he had died, that would have been it. So um, I think, you know, Lester Summerall is a good example also because when he was <coughs> very young, you know, maybe even before he was 20, he lived in my hometown, Panama City. Yes. And he was dying of tuberculosis. Yes. And so much so that the death the uh, death certificate, they were making out the death certificate and the doctor was going to take it back to their house. And by the time he got he got back, Lester Summerall had had a vision and he saw a coffin and he saw a Bible. And 
he said he chose the Bible. He didn't want to preach because he didn't like preachers. Right. But he chose the Bible. And when he chose the Bible, instantly he was healed. And he. Yes. It's a very walked, famous story. He walked, uh, you know, we think it was Youngstown. He walked up there and had his first church service and from then went around the world, you know. Wow. But um, it's interesting how the devil wants to, like you said, I mean, of course, steal that woman's life out from under her if she's in her 30s but also and hurt the church the intention was your meeting also and hurt to the ministry hurt the ministry and hurt, and hurt the testimony of jesus christ sure uh, um yeah i know that sometimes too that we we you know we've those of us who believe in the full gospel message we um we probably all had experience of deciding you know we decide now this person is too young to die and we're going to call them back and that kind of thing but you know oftentimes uh brother hagan used to say if a person's not receiving healing um then um there's a reason why mm -hmm. and he used to say if you if you can't get the person healed while they're if they say they have cancer or something you can't get them healed while they're uh, cognizant and they can use their faith and they can confess the word and they can believe God. You, if you can't get them healed, then you have to back away a little bit and say, okay, something else is going on here. Yeah. Cause it's not just a matter of authority. The person doing the praying understands authority. The person receiving the healing understands the authority. Right. Sometimes the family around them, the whole church, mm -hmm. the, their home pastor, whatever, everybody involved, yeah. every, the, the best. I know people that's been prayed by the best. Well, people use this term generals, you know, in the body of Christ, uh, the, the generals, uh, all the, uh, that are alive and still breathing have all prayed for them and they still didn't get it mm -hmm. died. And you think, well, that's this, that's just, you know, 20 is too young to die, or 30, or 40, 50, 60, whatever, 70, 80 is too young to die if you haven't finished your course. Well, you know? That's right. So, you know, you just think, what, what's the story? And oftentimes, there have been people that just through dogged determination got somebody at the last minute back. Mm -hmm. They were, they were uh, coding out. Yeah. And at the last minute, they just, bulldog determination got them back right and i know of several cases where the person that was re got that was rescued from death right was angry yeah because they said why did you do that i i i wanted to go i all i'm done i went i looked over yeah uh for I, I'm free from this body that is deteriorating and falling apart on me. Sure. And so now you're you're calling me back. You know yeah. what is wrong with you? So, right. And so sometimes we have a, a kind of a love that's a little selfish. Oh yeah. And you find out that that person, um, and we need to talk about that right there more. Yeah. Dealing with death. Sure. That it's very hard for word of faith people <laughs> to deal with death. They. Oh, it's got it's got to be the toughest subject because you know we believe in um, 
three score and 10 minimal. And now, you know, many believe in the 120 blessing and whatever. If anything short of that, you've been robbed and all that. But then there's real life circumstances where people are dealing with things and you don't know um, even the emotional inward pain. Oh yeah. That that they are living with every day. The un the, the pain that the pain that a pain pill can't help. A, right. a, a surgery can't cure. Sure. Um in fact the doctor that was my mother's doctor when she had cancer in the fifties, nineteen fifty-four mm-hmm. uh from Atlanta, he told her, he said, the problem is with sickness, he said, our scalpels can't cut out the deepest part of what needs to be removed. Yeah. And in other words, he's talking about the emotional soulish realm. Yeah. Um, and the church has been extremely closed to the idea of counseling and talking things out and, and, and tools to use to overcome some of those things. Sure. We're just like, just speak the word and go on now. You know, that's just like, it's, it's so, it's so it's it's such an ignorance of right. of the way the world works right that it's shockingly ignorant but yeah. um you know just well you know we um my experience with um trying to raise somebody from the dead <laughs> was my father yeah when uh he was right. hit and killed by a drunk driver and um we went that night they let us go yeah. to the morgue and right prayed over his body and of course there was no um any kind of movement or anything you know nothing so um i pat harrison came down my dad was on their board of directors at the time so she came down and uh helped with just our household and (laughs) emotions talking about emotions and uh even the spiritual side she and patsy ministered at the church and so anyway, I asked her, I said, why weren't we able to get him back in his body? And uh, she said, you know, kind of what you said about Brother Hagen, the, the power gifts, yeah. you know, uh, many times need to be activated. Right. And then she said, you know, Scarlett, when you're a Christian and you see heaven and you s- experience, yeah. she said, it's really difficult to get people back. They don't want to come back. Right. And even as much as they love you and love, you know, their family yeah. or love whoever. Yeah. Um, it, there is nothing like heaven. Right. There's nothing like being in the presence of the Lord. And the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord, yeah. to the Lord, yes. you know, present there. Right. So, um, you know, we, we really need to, to know more about heaven and probably talk about heaven more. And I love the songs that you have us sing at church. Because sure. <laughs> The fourth stanza many times is it's about, about heaven going on and, and we're going to shout eternally. Yeah. Know? How glorious heaven is. It reminds us that we're just passing through here. Yes. And uh, it's a glorious place and we should never be jealous of anybody that, you know, doesn't want to go. He doesn't want to stay. Well, wants to go. And we should also not, I mean, I know we, I know I have drifted a little from the subject, um, you know, about, about letting people go when it is time to die. Right. But uh, we need to have, um, what is it you said? Um, Matt Hammond was talking one time about uh, people have a wrong relationship with money. Yeah. I think that many in the body of Christ have the wrong relationship with death. Yeah. You know, to them, it's, 
because you know i death has touched my family oh, i mean yeah. i i had um um my uh, son uh was killed in afghanistan and that was hard to take and then my wife of 36 years you know passed away oh, after yeah. um a fight of the good fight of faith yeah and uh so many people came to me and said oh man we don't know how you're carrying on and i said well why because it's brother hagan said over and over to us look guys you're young you won't realize it till later but death is part of life yeah it is part of the life process right and everybody's going to die eventually sure. of something you yeah. know some way somehow you have to get out of your body right and um just your earth you're earthbound in this body but um that's why you know we rejoice in every day praise god life you know and mm -hmm. and uh i think those of us that are still living after many decades we we almost owe it to those whose lives were cut short we almost owe it to them right to to rejoice and enjoy the day oh sure instead yeah. of sitting around i know my son chris would have well and sheree too they would have hated me sitting around moping you know with my face in the carpet you know right yeah blowing my nose and um there's a time for that but then there's a time to get up and get on with it yeah and and uh and realize that they wouldn't trade places with you no yeah but we're going to disney world with the hands <laughs> and you know it's like i'm sorry they wouldn't trade places with you no for um in my dad used to say for love or money right they wouldn't trade places with you right and uh um you, you blink and everybody's there so sure. it's just ridiculous isn't yeah. it that our relationship with death is that make people feel uh those who were to receive the healing to make them feel that that they missed it somehow right and then to make those who are praying with them to make them feel like they missed it right I had one lady call me one time, uh, you know, during that time and said, well, if I'd have been there, none of this would have happened. And I said, well, then shame on you for not coming. Well, yeah, exactly. If you got the cure and the answer and you got $200 for an airline ticket, you should yeah. have gotten yourself over here. Exactly. Don't tell me that. <laughs> so people are nuts. <laughs> Jesus is Lord, but people are nuts. Just so you know, on the same scale. <laughs> I saw a bumper sticker one time, and I won't tell you what it really said, but it basically said, you know, Jesus loves you. Everyone else thinks you're a jerk. <laughs> and I thought of someone that I could have put that on their car. <laughs> Probably several people. <laughs> yeah, I should have bought them by the case. Jesus loves you. Everyone else thinks you're a jerk. I just think that's beautiful. That's so it's funny. poetic, isn't it? It is. Do you have that in the Hebrew? And the <laughs> Hebrew uh, would be you're a schmuck. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. Yes, praise the Lord. Anyway, before you start shipping dead bodies to our PO box, <laughs> please don't. Please don't. <laughs> We're not trying to be known as the Raise the Dead ministry here. No. But we are certainly believe that it's possible. Yes, absolutely. And believe that it, it still has a place yes. in the work of the Lord. Yeah. 
in Hebrews chapter 11, the faith yeah. chapter, says women receive, in verse 34, yeah. 35, women receive back their dead, raised to life again. See, and the cool thing about that is in that same passage, it talks about subduing kingdoms and, yeah. you know, lions and dragons and whatever else, right. you know. But um, in the same, and, and re- raising people from back from the dead, mm-hmm. in the same thing, it says others were sawn asunder. Yeah. So isn't it something that the the they all got credit for faith, yeah. whether they were raised from the dead or sawn asunder? Yeah. But it was their, uh, I believe, their faith, their stand for Jesus. Yeah. Their uh, one thing for sure, that whole early church was not afraid of death. Right. And I believe the reason they did such amazing things in such a small span of time within mm-hmm. 100 years. Right. Um, that and less, like 70. But in that span of time, the, the great things that the early church did is because the fear of death was no longer controlling them. Yeah. So praise God, you don't, you know, you get an invitation to go preach somewhere and and we've been places where I uh, after I after I bought the tickets, I'll do it on purpose. After I buy the tickets, then I'll go look at the state department warning on tourists there. <laughs> say, well, number one, I'm not a tourist. I'm here on kingdom business. Yeah. And uh praise God, we've you know, the same same devil is the there as he is here mm-hmm. and like overseas right but more importantly the same lord yes. is lord here is there amen, amen. praise Absolutely. god thank you jesus thank you lord thanks for having me on oh you did great i love well, you baby you're the best i get sarcastic after a while <laughs> after know. a while <laughs> that's not the right spirit brother david <laughs> <laughs> anyway he makes, he makes all this a lot of fun i want you to know <laughs> um so let's pray for people yeah there might be people listening today that are still uh suffering from grief or sorrow yeah in their lives they've lost a loved one maybe a child maybe a yes a mother or father sibling of grandparents you know grandparents are so special to to people and yeah. when they lose them it can be traumatic so if we could yes. pray for that father in jesus name lord thank those jesus. that are watching and listening i thank you lord for your love mercy and grace and goodness to them yes thank you. lord i just thank you that um you're you're able to your love and your healing touch can reach places that nothing else can reach. Yeah. And Lord, uh, if someone is suffering with grief, suffering with pain, emotional pain from loss, I thank you, Lord, that you know how to touch them and that you will and are touching them. And that they reach out and touch the hem of the garment for emotional healing just as much as you would for a physical healing. Lord, I thank you that if somebody's watching and maybe they've got a horrible diagnosis and they've got symptoms that are just off the charts and they're just dealing with a a real serious situation. First of all, I rebuke the fear of death off of that in Jesus name that um, there is no reason for fear. Yes. Secondly, father, I thank you for faith to rise up in their heart that they will be able to uh, know 
like Paul prayed, the height, depth, width, and breadth of your love yeah. for them. And Lord, I thank you that um, they see eternal life yeah. here and there. We rejoice. We know that some that pray a prayer like that, that they will begin to amend and, and get better and have a great testimony for decades about what the Lord has done for them. Yeah. And others, Lord, just say, you know what? I'm done. I'm going on. I'm going to go to be with Jesus and let's, you know, sing a chorus and worship my way out of here. Yeah. The heavenly escort comes and they are off there. Off they go. Yeah. Father, I thank you that either way, your love and your mercy and grace is unfailing. That's right. Your word is unfailing and your truth is everlasting. We give you glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Yes. Amen. 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 Praise God. Thank you again for joining us. And I just want to let you know that these Women of Substance podcasts are the first and third Fridays of every month. So we do two a month just to encourage and empower you and inspire you. Tell other people about them when you listen to them and it means something to you. Let some other people know about it because we really want to get the word into women's hearts that they are significant, they're important to God, and they can do what he's called them to do. If you would like to donate to Women of Substance podcast, uh, we appreciate your support because it does cost finances to get these done and we uh, appreciate any support. Uh, we've had probably about 30,000 listeners, and uh, it's just so exciting to hear people tell me, Scarlett, I, I heard this interview, or I heard your teaching on this, and it really helped me. It, it brought me to a place of faith when I was struggling or, you know, a situation that um, it, it got me through that situation. So, um if you would like to contribute also, you can do that by going to scarlethorton.com. Also, if you need prayer, uh, we would love for you to write prayer requests. We love to pray and we love to pray for any needs that you have at office at scarlethorton.com. Also contact us. We have a grace and faith magazine that we put out usually once a quarter. And it gives information about Horton Ministries. My husband, David Horton, and I travel overseas a lot. We give reports of where we've been and the many people that have gotten saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, the miracles that God does. And I know that you would love to read that magazine as well. So let us know if you'd like it. And then we want to invite you, if you're in the Tampa Bay area on vacation, or maybe you live down here. And you didn't know that there is a Word of Faith Grace Church called Grace Harvest Church. And it's in holiday. And uh, we would love to have you come. We have services uh, Sunday morning at 10 and Wednesday night at 7. So I know that you would love our church. Then also on our website, we have a lot of faith building resources. David has written some books and I've written a book and a workbook, and then we have some new books coming out very soon. So uh, these resources would help you, and they're uh, scarlethorton.com, and you can go on and see those if you would like to purchase those. And then if you would like to book us for an event, any kind of conventions or conferences, we love to minister and travel and preach as well. 
So uh, we'd love to do that. Again, if you need prayer, don't hesitate. We know God hears and answers prayer. God bless you.